You're listening to the Level Flight Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. And welcome back to episode 18 of the Level Flight Podcast. As always, I'm joined by Brian. Hello. And Elliot. Hey, hey. And it is dark times in Winnipeg right now when it comes to the Jets. Um, the tone, if you listen to a podcast like two months ago from us and you listen to one now, it's a lot different uh, because the Jets have lost nine of their last 11, seven of their last eight. Um, we've got a lot of games to recap here, but it is it is not going well, to say the least. Um, starting with the home and home last week against Edmonton, um, the road game, the Jets got boat raced out, out of Edmonton. Um, they scored three goals, garbage, like bonus classified them as garbage time goals um, in the third period. But they went down 5 nothing before before the end of the second. And the game was just over, pulled Hellebuck. Uh, just an ugly, ugly loss. Um, what were your guys' initial thoughts? This is the ugliest loss that we're going to talk about here, at least I, I'd say. But yeah, Brian, what are your thoughts on this one? It just kept getting worse. Because I was I was yeah. looking and it was essentially just like every time I'd look up, uh, it would be uh, just another uh, another goal that they'd allow, and it w- and it was one of those situations too where I'd look at the, and reasonably I'd say I don't know if uh, anyone could stop that. So I'm like, this is just the team around Hellebuck saying we don't right. have anything in the tank right now, no Dubois. So the the lineup was all sort of you know messed. Up. I think they ran eleven seven that game. Um, right. So there was a bunch of weird line juggling and um, yeah, it was just, it was miserable. It was one of those things where you get down, was it six, one at one point. And even though they added the two, you know, garbage time goals, as you said, it was one of those games you're like, just pack it in, head back to Winnipeg and figure it out for tomorrow. Back to Winnipeg. Yeah. All yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'll preface this by saying I was at a taverns in Brandon, so I'm like looking <laughs> up and I'm looking back and forth. And the same thing with Brian, I'm like half paying attention to the game because by the time I got down, I was at the Wheat Kings game before, and so then, um, by the time I'm looking up and checking the score, like it was already like two nothing, and so I'm already mentally checked out. I'm not even watching the game, and then I'd just be checking. Oh, Kyle Yamamoto scored again. Oh, he scored again. Oh, okay, like. Yeah, it, it was just bad. Like it. Yeah, it, th- that's all it is. It was just bad. Yeah, the defensive breakdowns were not not great. Like to put it lightly, like the goals that were scored were just like high danger areas, top of the slot, backdoor. Like it was just like, how can you even ask? Like you said, Brian, how can you even ask Hellebuck to make half of these saves? Yeah. Um, but then they pull him, and then play him the next night in what was probably the game of the year barn um, burner if i'm being it was honest the like, most exciting yeah uh i had my own hockey game which i tweeted as soon as i got out because the jets were up six five when i got off the ice and i tweeted i'm mad that i'm missing the game of the year um but i rewatched it and yeah it was insanely exciting but it was nice to see the jets get a win um my take on this game is jack campbell handed them this game like the jets did generate enough um Hellbuck again, we'll probably get into it, but he's struggled lately, gave up five goals here. Um, but the Jets scored more. They is a shootout from start to finish. Uh Jack Campbell gave up three or four eh, mad goals. 
But hey, at this point, you take the points you can get. So I, I that that's how I saw it. Yeah, yeah. If it wasn't for Jack Campbell. I don't know. I don't it's know. it was the real issue here, and as you said, we might uh, jump into it just a little bit later. Uh, we're starting to see what the team looks like when they don't have someone bailing them out in the crease. Yeah. Um, and that's something that's been brought up several times. Uh, you need to either improve the team around him uh, to try and actually get a consistent effort. And so you don't have to rely on him as much, or you need to hope and pray that he maintains an, an entire Vesna campaign with what he's already facing which is very far-fetched um so no it's you're, you're getting to a point where he's probably uh just in his own little you know funk here but the jets aren't really doing enough to try and balance that out they're not closing uh you know the door defensively at all that's the thing they still gave up five goals uh which you can't possibly nail all five onto the the starter no. so it's a matter of how on earth are you supposed to, you know, close things out when you're trying to, you know, maintain somewhat of a lead when you don't know how to defend around your goalie? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, like you said, Brian, this is just, I don't know. You can't ask Connor Hellebuck to do everything. Like we've done that for so many years and it's, you're going to, you're going to run out of that magic at some point. So in this game, we got a little bit lucky because we decided to figure out how to score. Um, yes, is Jack Campbell to blame for some of it? If you're an Oilers fan, yeah. But that game was for the neutral. That wasn't for a fan of either team because it was just like yeah. there's too many. Go- like not to say it's that it's fun. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fun. But that's what yeah. I'm saying. It's a game for the neutral because it's so high paced and so high scoring, and there were a bunch of lead changes and the the momentum which was shifting all over the place. And so, if you're a fan of either the Oilers or the Jets, probably wasn't the most fun game to watch. <laughs> I know that, but. For somebody else who has no connection to either team, it was probably just a really fun, fun game to k- take a look at. But other than that, I don't really know if you can take any other takeaways from this game other than you. And I keep mentioning on Twitter, you did what you had to do. You do yeah. what you do to take the two points. They did that in this game. Oh, but you know they didn't do that for the next two. But we'll, <laughs> we'll I'll let well, Connor segue let's, into that. Let's one. move That's on. A good yeah, segue. let's move on. Yeah, let's move on. the The next game is Monday night. Um, lowest attended game of the season. The Sharks was, are bad. I will. We will preface guys. That. I've got his bobblehead up here, but it was Kyle wow. Connor's bobblehead night. Um, with with the real hair, love to see it. Um, lowest attended flow. game of the year. San Jose is not a big draw. It's a Monday night. I get it. Um, Dubois is back in this game. Uh, they're controlling play for I'd say. 55 minutes 56 minutes of this one and then in classic jets fashion they 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 crumble in the last minute and a half two minutes and then lose the game uh there's a lot of issues to come out of this game but i'll focus i'll let you brian i know you have a lot of issues with the deployment at the end um some of the positives though like they did dominate for 55 minutes of this game if it wasn't for james reimer making two unreal saves off of Morgan Barron or the Jets missing two wide open nets. They definitely win this game. Uh, that being said, it's San Jose and you need the two points. Like, yeah, they still got a point, a uh, silver lining. Blah, blah, blah. You can't take moral victories at this time of the year. And this was a classic example of that where they dominated, but they only got a point 
And against San Jose, that's just it's it, it's at this point you it, you do or you don't. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, I uh, I hate the whole moral victories thing because yeah, you can take things to uh, to build off of, but if that was the case, they would have built off of that effort against San Jose uh, and actually done something different to finish their chances. Which uh, shocking. Um, it's not like we were saying that they needed a finisher or something or someone actually to help their scoring. Uh, aside from that, uh, uh, Edmonton. This isn't game. fantasy hockey. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. Let's let's be real here. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but like they they can't finish their chances. They've had so many grade A shots, you know, the last few games, and yeah. they lost the last two because they just couldn't beat a goalie who, obviously, every goalie has their hot games, and we know, uh, you know, obviously a Mark Andre Fleury, especially from his 2018 showing against uh, the Jets in the Western Conference Final. But that was also in 2018. You should be able to take advantage of an aging Marc-Andre Fleury and find a way to actually beat him. There was a lot of him being out of position and them not taking advantage of it. Um, but no, my my issues come at the end there. And I, sa- I said it on Twitter. I said um, they uh, essentially, they snatched victory for, or no, sorry, defeat from the jaws of victory. Yeah. They, they had that yeah. game in their hands. And firstly, the first issue is the fact that we hear all about how you want your best defensive players out there in the last little bit to try and protect the lead. Uh, I would say aside from Lowry, uh, every single player on that unit trying to defend that lead is a way below average defender. You got guys like Pionk, you got Wheeler, you got Mm -hmm. Kyle Connor. Uh, And like, obviously he uh, is, you know, great offensively, but Morrissey with Pionk, their defensive metrics out the window. Um, so you've great. got that unit. Uh, then it gets worse because then there's more. Uh, <laughs> for whatever reason, Wheeler just sends it down the ice and uh, you know gets the ice and call. It would just either you, you flip it up, you find someone off the wall, you do some sort of bounce play off the wall to get it to stop before firing it in. Not just awful. You, you can't do yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, I can't really add much other than that, like to what Brian said. But we talked about adding a finisher. Like, there's just been too many chances. We'll get to it in the wild game, but like Kyle Connor had a free goal. He put it right on Mark Andre Fleury's pad. Like, we we just, I get some of that has to do with puck luck, some of it, but we just need to put the puck in the net, like. It's as simple as that. I know that's the name of the game and you can laugh me all you want, but we have to do that. And we're clearly not right now. We just, Mm -hmm. and I get some of it, like I said, has to do with luck, but it also just has to do with like, you just got to do it. So, and, and I'm sure right now we've, we were getting a little lucky with some of the goals earlier in the season. So this is kind of turning around on us. We're not getting as lucky, Hopefully, I'm being a little bit hopeful that some of that will change. And I thought maybe some of that was going to change in from what we saw in the Edmonton game, but clearly that wasn't. But you you got to wrap that game up. Like yeah, it's and it's, I'll leave like it at I that. Said, it's yeah, it's as simple as that. You got to wrap that game up. Like I said, it's San Jose. Like they want Connor Bernard. They don't want to win this game. You know, like they, yeah. they that's what they're going for. Uh, the the way that the Jets are losing is becoming a lot more like of a of a theme with these like late leads um being blown and such it's just it's frustrating because like you said brian um they took 
defeat from the jaws of victory or whatever whatever you're saying was that was quite good actually i must say um <laughs> but like we we talked about it they needed another finisher they needed to add up front nino and nemesnikov have been great uh you couldn't ask for a better like first four games from them yeah. uh but yeah it's it's rough right now um and then we move on to last night uh minnesota divisional game big game because the jets going into it were only four points back of minnesota um and they lose four two like uh brian said mark andre Fleury makes 46 out of 48 saves um just like old times he steals a game in winnipeg uh and then yeah again the finishing talent pops up yet again because those 48 shots they only get two goals uh, the third goal for the Wild was really, really bad on Hellebuck's part. Yeah. Um, it was basically a shot that went five hole from near the dot uh, that he could see the whole way. He which... must have been cheating or something because, like, I, was yeah. there someone else? Was there a there was, was it a two yeah. on one? I so think it was, was he... a two on one, but he shot it early. Like the yeah, Wild but I'm like, was he just early. assuming that because it was that far out, it was going to go out with the pass? Because that's that was just awful. Yeah, that was bad. And then that ends up being the game winner. Um, yeah. which hurts even more. But uh, what were your guys' thoughts on this one? Because, again, divisional opponent, uh, they clearly came to play. Like, they played great. Uh, bonus after the game was like, we dominated. Uh, this was one of the best games we played. Uh, and they still lose. I just don't really know what they have to do at this point. That yeah, was it's... Well, the, the issue here is the fact that at some point or another, they're going to become so overly demoralized because they can't win even the games they dominate. That's two games in a row where they they were in control for you know ninety five percent of the game, and yeah. they managed to hold both teams to only three goals for the last two games. Mm-hmm. But the issue is, and I just looked at this: in nine of their past twelve games, three or less goals for the Jets. Yeah, this was supposedly supposed to be a very talented forward core, regardless of the deadline additions. Yeah. And you bring in Niederreiter, who has a scoring touch and has been one of the best players since he's come in. Yeah. Uh, got a couple <laughs> like of goals. We thought. Yeah. Um, Nemestikov hasn't scored, but he's actually looked quite good. Uh, and uh, but the rest of the team, where are they? Yeah, you, you're missing a lot from Ehlers and Connor right now. Uh, yep. Ehlers has one goal in his last 18 games or something. Uh, Kyle Connor has one goal in his last seven or eight, I'm looking at right here. Yeah. Um, Shifley has kept his his scoring numbers up. So has um, Morrissey, apparently. So has Morrissey. Uh, He's those got, two what, two multi-goal goals. games this week? Yeah. Yeah. Unreal. Is he Josh one Morrissey. off the record? The goals by a defenseman? Multi-game goals. Oh, oh! I think I he's no like clue. one off of tying or taking. Maybe. I can't remember. They showed that on um, Sportsnet. The bro- yeah, on the yeah. Sportsnet yeah. broadcast at some point. But yeah, but I I was at this game and I tweeted about it. But I just want to share a little story. Um, the sh- the like yelling shoot at the players has officially like gone off the rails at Jets games. Like they had forty eight shots in this game. They had like 15 shots to end the first right and then in the first five minutes of the second they come out and blitz the wild and get like seven shots in the first five minutes of the period so they've, they're up to like 21 22 shots in a period and a quarter and then every time they step over the blue line people are shoot shoot morrissey's walking the line on his backhand people are yelling shoot 
like and then what Morrissey does is he cycles the puck down low they cycle and they get a good chance in front I'm like okay did you really want him to shoot that puck then because if he backhands it from the blue line a it's not even making it to the net and it's getting cleared out three seconds later I just I I'm all for yelling shoot on like a three-on-one like the three-on-one that Cal Connor um biffed and then the puck went the other way and they didn't even get a shot off yeah yell shoot um because <laughs> you need a shot on a three-on-one right yeah but when players are like cycling along the wall or like morrissey's walking the line on his backhand i just don't understand it there and it it reached a new high in in the wild game which was weird for me because they had 48 shots right like i understand that there was a a four or five game stretch there where the team was overpassing but they are well past that they have had in the Edmonton game, had, right in the Edmonton game, they had almost forty shots. They might have had over. I'm not 100 percent sure, but I saw they had like 37 with five minutes left. Um, the Sharks game, they had near 40. The Wild game, they had 48. Like this team is shooting the puck. That's They're, not the problem anymore. Yeah, it yeah. used to be a problem. It's not the problem anymore. So we, that that was just my thing being at the game. Um, we ta- we talked about it too, like. We said, like, I think I mentioned it, and I think, Connor, you seconded my motion because I think that was the episode that was just the two of us. We both mm-hmm. said we just need to start putting pucks on net at this point. Yeah, like, and they have. And, and and they are. And so you I'm can't. going to start yelling, get... pass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> start passing more. we got to rebalance it out. They're, like, passing too much, shooting too much. I, a, I would prefer ground. the team just to shoot too much. I'd rather them yeah, put no, 60 honestly, shots yeah. up than and put up have. 15. Like, and honestly, but... they have. In the last 15 games, even though they're sliding – I believe they're still like fringe top 10 in both like Corsi four and expected goals for like, they're still, they're honestly just suffering a little, like a little bit of it or actually probably like a decent amount of it. Like probably half of their struggles right now is bad luck yeah. simply because they're shooting a lot. They're generating the same amount of chances. Hellebuck's going through a bit of a slump. And when this team doesn't have Vesna caliber goaltending, they're going to go on a slump like this. And that's, that's all that really needs to be said about this slump right now. They're still doing yeah. fine. Um, there are games where it's like, what happened? Like, what happened? Like the Edmonton game on the road. Um, yeah, but yeah. for the majority of the games, you, you look back on it and you think, okay, they actually played decent that game. They just didn't convert on their chances and Hellebuck let in one meh goal. At least yeah. this last week. That was that was the case for me. I mean, um, that, uh, like half yeah. of their games, though, in the past two weeks, though, we've had to ask what happened. Yeah. Like, you're looking at yeah. games like the Colorado mm-hmm. game. Uh, the Islanders game, honestly, to an extent, you could back it up even further uh, in the win over the Rangers. Yeah, uh, no, where, yeah, hundred percent. Like there was one of those situations where you just looked and you go, "They are so lucky to be out of there with a win." And coincidentally, after that point, suddenly uh, Hellebuck's slump started. Yeah. Um, and it's just a matter of uh, I think uh, Travis Yost on uh, TSN posted something today. And he described it as uh, how the Jets uh, rely almost comically much on uh, on Hellebuck. Like it's it's like ridiculous yeah. how like how much they're like essentially <laughs> in their losses, uh, he's playing still above league average, which yeah. is terrible. If, if you're getting above average goaltending, you should be able to you know actually win the games. <laughs> yeah, not I mean, this team. Simple as that. I, that's that, not how, that's not Winnipeg Jets hockey. Come on. Yeah, I don't know. I unless you guys have anything else to say about those four games, we can move on to like the bigger topics. But um, I I I'll I got probably nothing. talk about it when we when we get to 
some of the issues later but <laughs> i think the i think the my actual my actual as much as i am i kind of advocated the for us to talk about the power play deployment um i think one of the other things as we've been talking actually has to do with kyle connor i'm a little worried yeah. i know i shouldn't be and i know we had this conversation like at the start of the year but i think if he's not shooting the puck, like at least at that point he was shooting the puck and it just wasn't going in now he's not shooting the puck so i'm a yeah. little bit concerned right now because if he's passing on the three-on-one where normally we're expecting him to either a put it on net or wire one and score so if he's not yeah. doing that, then I'm a little worried, especially even more about this team putting the puck in the net. There, there's just too many names in the top six that have a question mark around them right now. Like Blake Wheeler, I don't think has scored in 11 games. Um, That's not his we, game though. We, yeah, but still, it's, it's just like he's not generating. Like the line has been Ehlers, Dubois, Wheeler, and that line is just kind of he's a pylon. <laughs> Okay, well, <laughs> let's relax. Yeah, um, also, <laughs> pump the brakes. Uh, I actually, I want to jump back here about Connor here. Uh, Kyle Connor, yeah. that is. Uh, yeah. Not our beloved <laughs> other podcast member. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I actually, I disagree, Elliot. I think he's still shooting just as much. It's just he's back to not scoring. Yeah. Like the last five games, uh, in those games, he's got six shots, six shots, four shots. The only one where he wasn't actually shooting was uh, the uh, the loss in Edmonton, where he only had one shot. But at the very least, he's got at least three shots in most of his games in the, in the last it, little while. It may just be situationally, and that could be it too. It could just be like, because there have been multiple two-on-ones and three-on-ones with him and Shifley recently, especially in this last week, where they don't get a shot off or him and somebody else, right? Well, it's so easy it to could just be me in my head. Those, but... right? Like you're gonna remember those things where you're freaking out because they should be shooting uh, right. on like a, a key play, but you're not gonna remember if he's, you know, doing a a shot from the dot uh, that it goes right into the goalie's chest, right? So yeah. you're gonna remember the one the situations where he didn't shoot and passed up a, a chance. Maybe if you guys were both at Canada Life Center, you could have yelled "shoot," and maybe he would have shot. Oh, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> that's the problem that's the oh. problem there's not yeah, enough that's the issue here. it's like these are professionals that's and see you, you know why it, you know why they aren't shooting enough because they don't they aren't filling the stadium enough so they can't hear enough people. Uh, the lowest attended game of the year the sharks game there wasn't enough people there to yell shoot in the first place wow we're coming yeah. to some groundbreaking conclusions here another groundbreaking <laughs> well, conclusion <laughs> management doesn't know how to add to a core but <laughs> Okay. Okay. <laughs> we got a little bit off the rails. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. fair enough. I mean, um, it's not <laughs> off the rails as long as it's about the Jets. So, <laughs> the team's off um, the rails. So. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet five dollars and win two hundred dollars in free bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat, same-game parlay every day. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt in, and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game, and if it doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet back. Download the app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly. Only at the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void in Ohio. See show notes for details. 
Speaking of off the rails, they scratched Nate Schmidt the other day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Out of nowhere. Um, healthy scratch. Bonus said, we need better. We need more um, from him uh, specifically, not from the team, because they were asked, uh, or he was asked, why'd you scratch Nate Schmidt? And he went, we need more. Uh, plain and simple, which they scratch him uh, in the game against Emogen. Cabo Bianco scores, and I thought he played great, honestly. Him and yeah, Sandberg? Yeah. Wow. Looked really good. And then Schmidt came back the next game and played um, very good against the Sharks. And um, scored, bonus. did he? Yeah, he scored. He scored yeah. late in the yeah. third to put him up 2-1. Um, That's a big bonus goal. Said, bonus said Nate was very good tonight. Very happy for him to get that goal. He was much better today and much more consistent with his level of play. Uh, I wrote an entire article about this at the Hockey Writers. Bit of a shameless plug, but... Um, feel shame. <laughs> I, I feel very ashamed right now. Um, but this, this should result in more players experiencing the same fate. If it worked for Schmidt and bonus truly thinks that he played better, his level of play was more consistent. More players should be having their ice time reduced. And I'm not talking about Nikolai Ehlers, even though he (laughs) is slumping. Um, you can't just point to the same guy on offense every single time and bench him or reduce his ice time. Um, I wrote in my article, like Blake Wheeler, um, we talked about him, hasn't looked himself lately, maybe reducing his ice time. I'm not talking about benching these players completely. Um, we're talking about Kyle Connor, maybe giving him a few shifts off. Um, yeah, the Jets need goals, but they also need players to like generate them. Um, yeah. And then I also talked about Neil Pionk because if Kyle Capabianco can come in and play well with Sandberg, um, then you can run Morsi DeMello, Dylan Schmidt, Sandberg, Capo. And that's a pretty good defense core, especially if you have Sandberg and Capo producing positive results in a third pairing, which I'm confident they can. Um, but then again, Logan Stanley scored last night. Anyways, um, he loves. He actually played pretty good. Way. He actually, <laughs> apparently, he actually played pretty well last night. I, At I will Carter say, Brooks. <sighs> he did have a good run. <laughs> oh goodness. Um, yeah. No. What are your guys' thoughts on the Jets deciding to scratch Schmidt in the first place? And do you think it should result in the same fate for other players across the lineup? I agree uh, wholeheartedly that players should have been scratched probably earlier. Uh, you know, especially, you know, the, the veterans, like you, you don't want to keep seeing the situation where guys like Sandberg uh, are just the one to be taken out constantly because he's, right. I'm assuming just because he's younger, Young. because he's been, I'd say probably the second best actual defender uh, on the team this year. Obviously yeah. his minutes are a little bit more sheltered, but you're still looking at someone who has incredibly positive results. And it's like, don't take someone out who's doing well. Like though I tweeted about this too, where the whole thing in the preseason, because there was the, the conversation about uh, Villy and everything and how bonus was all about, you need to earn your shot and right. that's how you'll actually get a chance to, you know, play. Right. Uh, Sandberg has earned every right to remain in the lineup every single night. There's no reason he should be coming out over guys like Pionk. I mean, Schmidt, I definitely, he was, he was fighting it. Um, but you're, you're looking at situations where they're taking the wrong guys out. Uh, and it, it, it's the same deal on the forward group. Like you shouldn't have Sacramento line in the lineup every night when you've got, you know, AJF sitting out there, you got Gagne sitting out. What about that situation? Like they they were rotating in and out so much that 
why did they suddenly just stop? Like, I just, I don't know what they're seeing where they've decided that certain guys have to remain in that role and others are the ones who are, they be, they become the, uh, you know, the, the player that's constantly getting demoted or they're getting scratched. Like it shouldn't just be two or three guys every time. Yeah. Like, look, do I a hundred percent agree with the Schmidt benching, the scratching, I guess you can say I maybe, but like Brian said, I, and Connor also mentioned in this article, I don't think they're like, I'm sorry. We'll keep, we'll keep at it. But like Neil Pionk, I don't think has played well enough to be in every night. Like, you got to rotate some guys and I don't think Sambert's one of them. I will pose a question to both of you. And I'm, would you say, who would you say would be the next player to get scratched like this? Like Schmidt, if it were to happen again, I'm not sure if it will. And I'm like, not sure if it will just be shifts off now, but right. who do you think would actually be the next guy to get taken out of the lineup because they've quote unquote played bad? Uh, are you saying like, um, or wait, you're saying like taken out of the lineup completely, not yeah, benched. like like yeah, Schmidt, okay. like yeah, yeah, Schmidt, yeah. not like not Schmidt. Be, not not benched because okay. we already know Ehlers is getting benched. Right. <laughs> but we already know that's happening. Yeah, yeah I was gonna say Ehlers uh, yeah. just because like odds on favorite every time to just get benched in the middle of a game for for no reason. Um, but I think honestly, because of how good Capobianco played, I think it's someone on defense, and. I think it's Neil Pionk. Like I it it might be wishful thinking just because I personally think the Jets lineup is better served with Capobianco on that third pairing. Um but then again, I just can't see bonus outright scratching anyone in the top 6. No. I just can't see it happening. And, and so I think it has to be on defense. Um and then again, Sandberg's been rotating out so I'm not going to count him. Yeah. Like them scratching Sandberg is just like a regular thing which I find ridiculous because I honestly think he has like future top four D potential, like good solid number four uh, defensive defenseman type potential, like Brendan Dillon. Um, but I I truly think it's it's either Pionk or it's Schmidt again um, because they're not scratching Morrissey. Maybe it's Demello. I, I was know. actually gonna wonder yeah. that because if you've noticed recently, whenever there's some sort of issue where they lose a few, Demello is the one who's dropped. Uh, yeah. in favor of Pionk, which that's why I'm like, Pionk isn't going anywhere because True. Yeah. Bonus wouldn't keep putting him on the top pairing if that was the case. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. It usually does end up with Morrissey Pionk. Yeah. They've been running that for a few games now. They did that's switch so. back in the third pairing. for a bit. I, I don't, that pairing hasn't really posted great results, like really at all. I, I don't um, know where they're getting that from. Like where they think that that works. Well, I think they're treating what their thought process is. I think this is what I think they're thinking. Just a complete hunch, complete guess is that Morsi Pionk is treated as like an all offense pairing. So they're every time there's an offensive zone face off, every time there's a high leverage situation, they're going to put those two out there. And then since Dylan and DeMello are the second pairing, um, Dylan, well, yeah, whatever. Um, Love that. Yeah, love it too. Uh, they're like the all defense pairing, quote unquote. So they're getting the the opponent's top line, the Kaprizov line, the McDavid's, all those lines, right? Um, I think that's their thought process. But then again, Morrissey and Pionk are just getting shelled defensively, regardless. So I think I I think they have to switch. Well, that, that and up that and that's sure. not even my problem. Like, I I haven't had a chance to get onto it on Twitter, but there are so many times on Jets goals that 
Pionk pinches at the exact wrong time that you should, like there was one play, I can't remember which game it was, but he went to go pinch at the blue line and he went to go pin someone against the boards and the puck would just went right by him. Like he was so focused on pinching to go get the puck, but then he got distracted by the whatever player was there and he pinned him against the boards and that left, I think, Morrissey on the two-on-one and they went cross-crease and scored. Or he'll go to the blue line to go get the puck when it's actually just safer for him to just shift over, play the man in front of him and try to funnel him to the outside than just go because he just races for the puck. Like yeah. I get you're an offensive defenseman. You want to pick the puck up and go, but there's a time and a place for that. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and that's my issue with him is especially with this. It, it's just like, and then that same goal where he went and pinched the blue line and pinned. If I'm not mistaken, he turned around and looked at the, whatever forward was there and was like trying to tell him that he was supposed to cover for him. And I'm like, whoever that was, was at center ice. Like what, what do you, he can't help you. You left Morrissey out to dry. Mm-hmm. And then Morrissey looks bad. Like, like I get their whole rotation of having the forward come back, but that's really only an offensive zone thing. That's when that the defender comes into the zone with the puck or goes to play mm-hmm. down low and a, a def- uh, an offensive player or a forward has enough time to come and circle back. Like that, that's my problem with him. He picks and chooses his, I guess you could say quote unquote battles at the completely wrong time. And he just doesn't make the correct play ever. Yeah. I think bad pinches are like, they, they stand out more than other defensive errors more than anything. Um, because he's worse it ends at up, it. It ends up in two on ones. Um, yeah. And then if you just hit rewind once on your, on your TV, you can see that this defenseman is out of position and then boom, they're gone. Um, so it's just like a, a simple thing for people to catch on and be like, whoa, that looks bad. Um, there are so many more defensive breakdowns, but yeah, I agree that the bad pinches are are kind of getting out of hand. And, um, and I'm not saying that other guys aren't doing it, but, and, right. and that's not the only error that the defense has been making. I'm just saying, and I know it, like you said, it's the most visual but it's the most the detrimental. It's the easiest to point out. It's like and it's his like and his right are the there. most blatant yeah. too. They're all like it's, bla- yeah, it's yeah. His yeah. are always the most blatant. You look and go, oh, why did you do that? Like it, it's just where like where are you? And like th- th- that. That's all I'm trying to say. His are the worst, and he does them at the worst times possible. And he's at most. And I know obviously when you pinch at the wrong time, that defenseman is the most at fault. I'm not saying other defensemen aren't doing it because a bunch of them have, but. Right. Most of his mistakes are doing that, and it's always costly. Always. Yeah, I to circle back to our original discussion about the the scratching. I I do think that this should result in some more players being benched or reduced. Um, but then again, if this coaching staff actually scratches someone in the top six, I will be very shocked um, because they seem to go into every game with whatever their top six Dubois, Wheeler, Ehlers, uh, Niederreiter, all those guys. Um, but then Ehlers is the odd man out every game. Um, yeah. So we'll see. We'll see because losing nine of 11, you don't really want to start now for benching players, right? Like you don't want to bench uh, Cal Connor for half a period um, when yeah. you need goals, right? Your team has struggled to score and Cal Connor is the best goal scorer on this team. So it's, it's tough, right? Um, but decisions do have to be made. So, we will see because they have a tough week coming up that we have highlighted a few times. Um, but yeah, unless there's anything else you guys want to get into that uh, 
um, that, that the Jets are struggling with just in general, um, because we talked about the, the scratching. We've talked about um, the defensive breakdowns. We've talked about Hollabuck. Um, if there's anything else you want to wrap up on, go ahead. Just a quick hit on the power play. Like it, I know oh, we've yeah. talked about, yeah, we've talked true. about in the past, so I don't want to get too much into it, but um, I was reading, I'm Connor can quote me on what the name of the book is. I, the 2023 playbook. Oh, um, hockey tactics by Jack Hahn. Thank you. Great. I just want to make sure that great book. I've already read mm-hmm. a bunch of it already. I immediately, obviously we cover the jets. I went straight to the jet section, read through everything. I look at the power play setup. I know it's changed, but when that book was made that had mm-hmm. Ehlers on the first line mm-hmm. and it like, and I'm not even going to get into the whole, he should be on the line. And like the whole, that whole discussion of he's the best one at bringing the puck in and um, setting up everything. But like, I don't know if like, obviously that needs to go back. And I've been an advocate of that with the lines especially when, if Perfetti does come back at this point this season. But when we have an almost healthy lineup, the lineup needs to be the same as it was when we were winning. Because I don't know where, why that ever right. changed. And the same with the power play. The power play was working. And for one game, it didn't work. We went 0 for 3 or 0 for 4. And we've gone to this completely different setup. And I actually think that not that the setup has changed, because it is the exact same. Dubois is still in the same spot. Um and Kyle Connor's still in the circle and Shifley's still kind of in that bumper spot. Niederreiter. Well, yeah, I think now that Niederreiter's on the top pair, yeah. they've put him in the bumper and Shifley back on the on the mm-hmm. outside, on yes. the left circle there, the line but, A spot. Yeah. yeah, but but either way, I like as it was working before in the first place, so it didn't need to change. And two, I don't even, other than setup, I think stylistically they've changed. They're not mm-hmm. doing the same stuff. Like, like I know right now they're just kind of throwing the puck on net and I know Connor and I talked about it, but we said they should do that with the second unit because that second unit doesn't really have much. This first unit should probably be trying to work the puck around and move the puck and try to move the penalty killers. They don't do that. It goes Connor, Morrissey, Con- like, and it just kind of goes across the top of the blue line and in the, in the, um, in the circles, and then they just take a shot. And most of the time it's Morrissey from the point Nobody's in front. Like Dubois is just standing at the side of the net. He's not even doing what he does best and being in front, being a screener. Cause funny enough when he does, Oh my God, the puck went in the net, but <laughs> it just to quickly get on that. I think stylistically that needs to change again. Cause that reading that book reminded me of this was the system that was working and the stylistic play that they were playing it in that shape was working. So I'm not sure what bonus or, so is it Arneal that runs the power play? Or uh, I believe it's no Arneal runs the PK. I believe it's Marty Johnson. I think I'm not 100 percent sure. Either it's way, yeah. whoever it is, the coaching staff. Let's just say this general arc of the coaching staff because I'm also going to say the lines too. Whoever on the coaching staff, obviously bonus has a hand in the lines, but whoever changed the power play style and not the shape of the style that needs to go back. I, I don't understand why that ever changed because it was working. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> and, and and that and that's my my whole last little bit of a quick hit. Yeah, I we've talked a lot about Ehlers already on this pod and what where we'd like to see him play and how he's always getting benched. Power play one, I think, is the number one place I do want to see Ehlers, just because he generates more 
receiving that pass at the blue line and cutting down with speed than power play one has um, generated in weeks. Honestly, with that, when he gains entry and he gets that pass and he's shooting, he's passing, he's finding deflections. He's so good on, on that left flank and cutting down. Uh, I think that the power play does need an injection of life and a change. Um, I posted a clip today of the moose running a power play um, last night in Abbotsford. Um, it was a five on three. Um, but if you want to go and watch the clip, they, the Manitoba moose have won are seven, one and two in their last 10 games. They played that five on three, like their season was on the line and it was a one goal game um, in the playoffs of game seven of the Calder cup. Like they, the, the urgency is just there. They're passing, they're moving, they're shooting. They're like fighting for pucks. They're going like the Jets power play is just like pass, stop, look, look for a seam. It's not there, but the moose, like they're just flying. Um, and that's been a constant theme the entire year is that the moose are incredibly urgent on their power play. They play like they have 30 seconds left in the power play, the entire two minutes. Um, And it's great because they put in effort and I'm not saying the Jets don't put in effort. Obviously they put in effort. Um, I'm just saying it's a little slow. All the the plays it's, it's slow. The passes to Kyle Connor, even if he won times that the goalies in full position because the pass is slow. Um, They can't win a face off. So it's getting cleared immediately um there's a lot of issues but the 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 Ehlers going back on pp1 and more urgency i think would be the two things that i would highlight speed and style that's what it is and one of my issues too and the biggest culprit of this is blake wheeler is constantly relying on that cross-ice seam pass to try and get someone at the dots more often than not it's picked off in the middle of the ice and cleared it always results in a change in possession. Like that, it's also the thing too. You don't have a line A over there where it's like a guaranteed grade A chance because of right. how quickly you can get that shot off. Um, you're trying to feed this pass through on every single attempt, yeah. um, and it very clearly they everyone has a book on us because they're always ready to defend it. I don't know how the rest of the team hasn't seen this. Uh, but every single time they try to feed a pass right through the middle of the ice, it's broken up. And have they converted on one of those yet this year? That's what I, that's a stat I'd want to know. I I mean, off the top of my head, and I don't have the stat in front of me on this or anything. I don't recall the last time they did on a cross seam pass. Yeah, yeah, on a power yeah. play, and I'm not even just saying Blake Wheeler a cross seam because I know Shifley throws them too. He loves throwing them to, to Kyle Connor. Connor. Yeah, he yeah. loves throwing them and to Connor. And Connor started throwing them too. Like it's yeah, it's like they're being told to do it, and it's the thing that works the least now. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not working. It's not there. They popularized um, it, and now. Yeah, I don't know. If you if you guys have anything else on the power play, we can get back into it. But I think yeah. that's that's the main thing for me. That's uh, that that's another thing. A power play can bail you out when your goaltender's struggling. Yeah. Um, and it's it's not doing them any favors right now. So that's something that last night and the Sharks game probably would have been won like easily if yeah. we if both games easily Sharks, if yeah. we had just scored once or twice yeah. on the power play. So, 0 yep. for six in the Sharks game, I believe 0 for three last night. Yeah. I haven't yep. double checked, but yeah. Um that you get one goal, it changes the game, right? Uh so I, I said at the start that the tone would be different, and it was. To say the least. Um, yeah, I'm if worried. You thought it was more negative. It's coming yeah, up here. That's what's going on. Yeah. Um, the next four games, they go on the road. The last game's at home, but they go on the road. 
Saturday, they get Florida. Uh, Sunday, they get Tampa Bay. Next Tuesday, they get Carolina. And then they come back home Thursday against the Boston Bruins, one of the best teams in NHL history. Um, So this is going to be a rough stretch. Uh, If there's a silver lining, Florida's like second night of a back-to-back. Uh, I think Tampa's struggling as of late. Carolina's a juggernaut and Boston's a juggernaut. So it's just yeah. those first few games, really. Um, but the Jets need to figure out, this is why points against San Jose and uh, a game where you dominate Minnesota, that's why they were so crucial. Divisional because opponent. When you, have, when you have tough games coming up uh, on the road, it's it's going to get tough. And I posted this morning on Twitter, according to tankathon.com, uh, they calculate strength of schedule. The Flames have the easiest schedule in the NHL from now until the end of the season. And the Jets have, I think, like they're like middle of the pack. They're like 17th. Yeah. Um, but then again, if they, they go 0-4 in these next four games and Calgary um, has four games against like Anaheim, Arizona, Vancouver, like these terrible teams. Um, th- th- next week at this time, we could be talking about a team that's on the outside looking in. Like so, it, it, Essentially. And no Dubois either. Because uh, like he's, he's, yeah, he's, he's not taking the trip. Apparently. Yeah. No. And like the, the issue here is, right? So as you laid out the next four games for us, next four games for Calgary is Anaheim, Ottawa, Arizona, Vegas. Easily, I could see them winning it, two of those. Yeah. Maybe three um, if they beat Ottawa. And yeah. let's say the Jets, uh, you know, you they, they have a really unsuccessful trip. Um, even if they. <laughs> Even if Calgary wins the next, like they, they, let's say they take go on a stretch, they win four straight, you split suddenly, you're tied in the standings. Boom. Yeah. yeah, like it's that, like there's so little room for error at this point. <sighs> at the worst time, and you're also at you're now worst. relying on other teams screwing up, which is not how you want to do it. Like, no. No. you you have to win your own battles. If there's a silver lining, which <laughs> I'm getting tired of that term. Honestly, I can't believe I just used it because there's been nice. a lot of silver linings. I yeah. know there's been a lot Three of times. silver linings Four. in. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. There's been a lot of those things in Winnipeg over the last two weeks, but the jets are only, I'm trying to pull it up here because the, the, the West is so, yeah, they're at 75 points. They just lost to Minnesota last night. It's up to 81. Uh, so that gap is widening a bit, but a six point gap on second place in the central division. Um, Dallas is also at 81, but has a game in hand. Yeah. But then again, if the Jets go four and oh on this next trip, they could be back in second place, you know, like it's, it's such a weird and weird defense and going for the division title again. Like exactly. Uh, if they turn it around and Hellbuck um, gets back to his Vesna form and they keep dominating in the shot department, I'm sure that they'll be fine. Um, but the points that they've lost, they've already lost out on yeah. are ve- were they were and will remain to be very crucial points. Yeah, for um, sure. Because of the upcoming schedule. But unless you guys have got anything else, um, I think we'll end it on that. They've got the four game trip coming up uh, next week. You can we may have something in the works with a guest. So stay tuned for that. We will announce it on Twitter if we do. Um, but yeah, this was fun, um, even though it sounded like we were uh, very happy throughout. It's all about um, there's a lot of things. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of things to to get down on right now. But like I said, if you want a, I'm not going to say it. If you want a positive outlook, um, the Jets are right there in the West. So keep watching, keep cheering. 
Um, it should be a big week coming up against some good teams. So you'll watch some good hockey, at least at one end of the ice. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, from the three of us, um, from Brian and Elliot, uh, thank you again from for listening. Uh, episode 18 of the Low Fly Podcast. It was a good one. Uh, we kept it short this time, which is nice. Uh, we ran yeah. long uh, a few times, but it's nice to, to get in and get out a little 45 minutes. Um, should be good. But yeah, thanks everyone for listening and go Jets. Go, go Jets. Jets. You've been listening to the Level Flight Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. 